helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. year the Supreme Court term ends with the month of June. That's when the court usually releases its most important and controversial opinions. It's also when the court releases the largest number of opinions in the shortest amount of time. You cannot have this vast number of Supreme Court opinions released without dozens of so-called experts and pundits spouting often crazy ideas about what the court was thinking and what the opinion means, which is why I call this time the court's silly season. But this silly season, we have a few very important opinions to look at. I'll be going into more detail over the next few weeks as I've had a time to to read the opinions and digest what they mean. But today, I want to give you my 50,000-foot opinion of these court opinions. Now, while much of the media has been focused on the affirmative action case, I actually want to start with the free speech case coming out of Colorado. So welcome, Everyday Americans. Thank you for joining me here at the Constitution Study. We're going to take a look at SCOTUS's Silly Season 2023 and see what we can learn without maybe some of the hysteria and bias we see in so much of the, the punditry class. Now, as I said, I want to start with the free speech case, A, because I find it more interesting, the affirmative action case. I also find it potentially more widespread impact. There's a lot more that I think can come out of this case than out of so many others. So what is the case in question? It's 303 Creative LLC versus Elenis. Now, 303 Creative is run by a a Ms. Uh, Smith. I believe it was Julie. No, sorry. Laurie Smith is her name. Laurie Smith. And uh, she's a website and graphic designer. 303 Creative is a company that does this. And uh, she wanted to expand into doing wedding websites, right? So you're going to have a wedding and you maybe you want to set up a website with lots of information and pictures and videos and people can comment. And oh boy, isn't it great and wonderful? But you see, she's concerned or she was concerned because she lives in Colorado and Colorado's Anti-Discrimination Act has already been used to, we'll say bully, if not coerce different vendors into creating custom works of art for marriages that they don't believe in, right? Now, you know, it, it was, it, it's an interesting case. There's a lot of interesting um, meat on this bone. And as I've already started getting into the details of it, I can give you a, a sneak peek. Um, yeah, I, I found a lot of of um, questionable jurisprudence, but I, I find that all the time. Uh, but I did find some, some very interesting... Uh, um, very interesting reasoning behind the the way the court found both in the majority and in the dissent. But the short version was she um she was concerned that as she expanded into doing wedding websites, that Colorado would come in and try to force her to create custom creative uh, websites for marriage she believes marriage is between one man and one woman and she's a she figured that colorado had since they'd already gone after jack phillips and master b cake shop they would probably come after her to coerce her into um promoting marriages that she didn't believe were marriages 
Now, what's interesting is we have here on the one side, you have the, the freedom. Well, they often refer to it as freedom of speech, but it really isn't freedom of speech. It's actually freedom of the press. See, this wasn't Ms. Ms. Smith speaking. It was her publishing websites. But again, we have such, even in our legal system, such a poor understanding of language in the Constitution. It, it truly is heart-wrenching. But on the other side, you have what are called public accommodation laws. And these are laws, uh, often you'll see them as um, sexual orient orientation and gender identity laws that say, if you are a place of public accommodation, there are certain discriminations you are not allowed to conduct. Right? This goes back to the Jim Crow South, I believe, where you know, if you had a restaurant or you had a grocery store or you had a lunch counter, you couldn't deny people the use of your store, the products and services you sold based originally on the color of their skin. Of course, that got expanded into uh, sexual orientation, and now it's expanded into pretty much every perversion known to man. And Colorado has been right on the forefront of trying to promote the idea that if you are doing business with the public, you must not only do business with them, you must promote their message. Now, in the in the Masterpiece Cake uh, case, and, and again, I'm doing this from memory, so if I don't get everything right, I apologize. But if memory serves, when the court looked at this, they they looked at the not just the 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 law, but they looked at how the Colorado Civil Rights Commission treated uh, Mr. Phillips and his uh, and and his business, and they found that they had true religious animus. In other words. They hated the idea that that uh, Jack Phillips dared to hold the opinion that marriage was between one man and one woman, and that animus is not only what drove them, the, according to the court, to this position, but it's what the court found a problem with. In other words, this was what, five years ago. The court didn't say Colorado cannot compel speech. It said that, listen, Colorado was just plain mean to Jack Phillips. That's why uh, they found for Jack Phillips in the case. And, of course, um, literally the day, I think it was the day or the day after that that opinion was released, you had people coming back to his case trying to, in, to incite another case. You know, let's find something else we can catch him on. Let's find some other thing that he doesn't want to be and try and coerce him to do this. This has been going on, ladies and gentlemen, for a decade for a decade, remember, it took years for the Masterpiece Cake case to make it to the Supreme Court. Then they give this kind of sidebar, wimpy response, and now he's still he is still fighting that case. And boy, the man's got the man's got guts to put up with that. He's got a spine to stand up to that type of intimidation for that many years. That's also why we have the 303 Creative. See, we have this case because the court kind of whiffed at the Masterpiece Cake case, rather than looking and saying, listen, Colorado, you cannot force him to speak unless you can show that he denied people service because of their, he, he denied to sell them cakes because they, because they were gay. You have no case. And of course, there was evidence. His, the, literally, the customer that sued him had been a customer of his for years. He had sold them cakes many, many times. The one thing he wouldn't do is create a custom cake for their wedding because it was a homosexual couple. But again, the court didn't deal with that, so we end up with 303 Creative. And in this case, the court said, basically, um, 
the, 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 the state cannot compel speech. Again, they keep referring to it as speech. It's actually press. Uh, but the, the, the state cannot force Ms. Smith to communicate an idea she disagrees with. And while the dissent seemed to focus on, but, but you know, she's discriminating against homosexuals. No, she's, she, in fact, not only does she, the state, uh, both she and the state stipulated the fact that she would do business with anyone, that she would, that, that there are certain messages she would not create, she would not uh, express, regardless of who asked for it. Those are stipulated not just by, by her, but by the state of Colorado. And in fact, they even had uh, uh, evidence that the, the purpose, the reason why the state of Colorado went after uh, someone like a Jack Phillips and would come after her was because they wanted to stamp out the stomp out the idea that um, you're that you disagree with uh, same-sex marriage. They wanted to stamp that idea. They wanted to stamp it off the face of the earth. They didn't want it in Colorado, so the court came around and said, "Listen, no, the state of Colorado, you cannot compel speech." I keep pointing out it's press. I also, by the way, point out this is always referred to as a First Amendment case. It cannot be a First Amendment case because the First Amendment starts out with five words. Congress shall make no law. Congress did not make this law. It was a violation of the, the Constitution of Colorado. It was a violation of the 14th Amendment, both the, uh, the uh, uh, Privileges and Immunities Clause and I believe the Equal Protection Clause because this type of speech discrimination was not used for, um, say, someone who was pro-homosexual marriage that didn't want to create something for a heterosexual marriage. It was a one-sided. But that's all lost in our current excuse for, for jurisprudence. But it brought up, a, a, I think this is a much better answered case than the Jack Phillips case. And I, actually, I hope that this leads... Jack Phillips, because again, he's dealing with another case. Someone else is suing him because he wouldn't make a cake expressing an idea he found offensive. I hope this case will help Mr. Phillips in his current case. And maybe, maybe just maybe they'll stop coming after him or even, you know, maybe just maybe it will be justification for uh, him to countersue. Now, of course, not everybody's happy with the decision. Uh, we had the obviously we had the three dissenting justices, but uh, listen to this. This is an interview uh, with uh, by David Boyce. Um, he's an attorney. He actually, I believe, he was an attorney involved in the same-sex marriage case, and he's being interviewed on CNN by Wolf Blitzer. What's going on with a prominent attorney in the legal fight for same-sex marriage equality? David Boyce is joining us. Right now, David, thanks for joining us. What does today's ruling on services for same-sex weddings mean for the LGBTQ community nationwide and potentially for protected minority groups? Okay, let me interrupt right there because, again, what I was talking about, the, the idea of the pundits um, just, just making a mess out of all this. First of all, the Supreme Court did not rule. The Supreme Court does not rule. It offers an opinion. If you read the documents, it's in the opinion of the court. But of course, again, this was not a case about discrimination. It was a case about free speech or free expression, freedom of, of press. This person said, I serve everybody, but there are messages that I will not communicate. And here you have CNN setting up this lawyer, 
uh, to, again, lie to the American people, to tell them something that is not true. This, this, not only did this person have a express that they would serve anyone, she had a history, I believe, of serving people in the LGBTQ community. There's just a message she is unwilling to express. And this lie, repeated often enough, people keep coming back, it's a discrimination case. Discrimination was not on the ballot. It's not what was in this case, ladies and gentlemen. The question was freedom of expression. Can the government force you to promote a message with which you disagree. And of course, this attorney went right along with the lie. It is a, it is a terrible step backward, uh, a step backward um, for the community that is directly attacked here, but also a step backward for anyone uh, who believes that this country ought to not discriminate, uh, that ought to welcome, ought to be uh, a society that sponsors equality, um, it, it's a step that is particularly sad to come from the United States Supreme Court, which for so many, many decades has really been in the vanguard of promoting individual rights. And to take away these rights now uh, is, is, I think, sad for the justice system and sad for all of us who, who care about equality. Now, look at what this lawyer is saying. It's a terrible step backward that you will no longer, we will no longer be able to conforce, compel people, force people to comply with our views. And it's really sad that the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court for decades has been helping us bully people into expressing ideas that we don't, that they don't like because we like them. This is a, you know what this is a, is a step, what his idea of a step backward is? It's a step backward from discrimination against ideas the progressives, those in government, do not like. That was this was about. Could the government coerce speech? That's not at all what the court said. That's not at all what the case was about. But again, if you listen to the 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 you know verbal diarrhea of of CNN, you would think, oh wow, we've reinstituted uh, what Jim Crow. Nobody in the LGBT community. Is going to be it will not be served by this this individual by three or three creative, unless they ask her to express an idea she disagrees with. By the way, nobody in the not in the LGBT community will have an idea will be able to express an idea with which she disagrees. So th this Wolf Blitzer and, and and Mr. Boyce is is nonsense. It, it is all meant to stoke up fear because again the government. The, the court said the government doesn't have the right to compel expression, which to them, to the tyrants, is terrible. It's a step backward from, ty from tyranny. And he's very upset that it's a step backward from tyranny because he liked it when he was in the position where his tyranny was the one that was moving forward. He doesn't like it when the other side gets a swing at the bat. He doesn't like it when you know someone is allowed to express an idea that he doesn't like. And of course, Wolf Blitzer and the, the, the Mr. Boyds are not alone. Tyrants, Marxists from across the country are all upset. They're all bent out of shape that the, that the Supreme Court recognized that the Constitution says the government cannot force you to express a message you disagree with. Now, they've gone so far, some would say, we need to expand the court. We need to change the court because we didn't get the answer we want. Not because the answer was unconstitutional, but because we didn't get the answer we want. 
In fact, New York uh, University law professor Melissa Murray said on MSNBC that the court, that, 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 that this is a court that is drunk on its own power. N- no, madam, I, I'm sorry, you're drunk on your own tyranny in that you wish to compel others to agree with you even when they don't. There was no discrimination involved here. It was a question of freedom of expression, which apparently to these Marxist tyrants is just a step too far. Now, I want to take a look at the affirmative action case after the break. Before I go, though, you please head to the website constitutionstudy.com. I'd love it if you'd ask a question. There's an ask a question button. Click it because I'm looking to do another Q&A segment and I need more questions to fill it in. This is your chance to, again, ask me anything constitutional, and I will do my best to answer it on the radio and via email for you. If you also want to check out the Patriots program, constitutionstudy.com slash Patriots, that would be great. Maybe sign up for one of the mailing lists. All this information is there available for you at the website constitutionstudy.com. Also, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've been running around like crazy lately. I get to the end of the day, and my mind is just, it's a blur. It's a fuzz. I, I can't focus on anything. That's when I reach for Healthy Cells Focus and Recall Vitamins. They're designed to boost my short-term focus and my long-term brain power in a simple, easy-to-use travel-ready gel pack. Now, they work great for me, and I'm sure they will work great for you because Healthy Cell is a leading innovator in supplements designed to work at the cellular level. Now, because you listen to America Out Loud, you can get 25% off your first order if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please... Go to HealthyCell.com, check out all of their great products, put your card together, but be sure to put that code out loud in when you check out. It lets them know you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study today. We're talking about the, the Supreme Court silly season. At least that's my name for it. It's this time of year, end of June, early July, when all of the, the, the big and important uh, uh, opinions come out. And of course, everybody gets a little silly it seems, as they try to analyze what's going on. Now, the first segment I covered the freedom of, of well, I call it a freedom of speech case, actually the freedom of press, but it's a free expression case coming out of Colorado. But it seems the opinion that's gotten the most attention is the affirmative action case, Students for Fair Admission versus Harvard College. And uh, there was another one versus uh, 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 University of North Carolina. And they were slightly different, but the, the general gist of both had to deal with um, using race in admissions and uh, the, the idea of affirmative action. Now, it, it, my opinion, like so many other things, it was, a, it was well-intentioned, but not well thought out. Now, the affirmative action, affirmative literally meaning positive or, or favoring action. The idea was simple. They said, listen, for uh, so many years, so many decades, uh, certain races of people were suppressed. Obviously, it started with the, with blacks, and you had slavery, and you had Jim Crow, and, and they said, you know what? To make up for that, we're going to take a positive action to encourage, then a later, force different institutions to open more positions, more and more actions for those that had previously been harmed. And again, I will I'll look at it and say, well, okay, that, I, I, to me, you're fixing the wrong problem. And I think that is, is kind of where the court fell down. And again, I haven't spent a lot of time in this case yet. Uh, it's it's on my to-do list. I haven't gotten there because I thought the free, the, 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 the Colorado case was more interesting. Uh, but it's the idea of if you're going to affirmatively support one race, you are by tautologically, you are affirmatively suppressing another race. In other words, if all things being equal, you're going to give the 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 college slot, the the job opportunity, um, or or the vote to a person because of the color of their skin, you're by you're tautologically taking it away from somebody else. The, again, if all you were doing was saying we have two equal applicants, because we're dealing with college admission, we have two equal applicants. So you know what we're going to do? If you've got two equal applicants, we're going to favor one race above another. That's, to me, that's bad, but maybe not as bad. I, I say that because it, I can't imagine any scenario where you've got two absolutely identical applicants. I mean, sure, they may have equal 
um, SAT scores or ACT scores. They may have gotten the, the same GPA in, in high school. You know, there, there's got to be some differentiating faction, fashion. And the, the problem with affirmative action, in my mind, is it continues to perpetuate racism. And it does this for a couple of different reasons, a couple of different ways, I should say. First, we're saying that, well, let's, let's start with, with the most obvious. Again, if you're going to favor one race, you're disfavoring another race. Whether you think that's a good idea or not, you're obviously doing it. And again, in the attempt to favor the black race over the white race, well, you know, hey, we can disfavor the white race because they, they're mean, evil white people. But what about the Asian races? And and what about the, the other races? Uh, I was listening to a, a radio program about this, and they were talking about how uh, someone like um, North African. Well, you go to fill out your application, and there really isn't a North African, uh, uh, you know, ethnicity. And and you know, or or someone who says from the the country of India. Well, they're technically Asian because well, India is part of the Asian continent, but that's not who you think of when you're thinking of of Asians. So there's a lot of of uh, of other considerations. Um, for example, um, okay, now that you're saying we're going to give blacks preferential treatment, does that mean that maybe they're not as good as their 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 fellow schoolmates? Well, because obviously, apparently, you're you're saying that they could not get into the class without this help, and like so many crutches, you soon become dependent on it. So you've got the 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 crutch of of low expectations. You've got the the stigma of an affirmative action position. You know, you didn't get the job because you earned it. You didn't get the position because you earned it. You got it because of affirmative action. But I think to me, the most fundamental issue is you're dealing with the symptom, not the problem. See, when I when I look at college, you know, people say, well, you know, college admissions is is, you know, it's, it's not diverse enough. All right. Well, why is it that blacks are not as smart as whites? I can't attest to that. I know many people smarter than I am of all different sorts of races. So so is it that? They, they, the blacks don't have the opportunities. And, or last of all, is it simply you expect, you have this racist expectation that blacks cannot complete on an e compete on an equal playing field. And then it can, well, if the playing field is not equal, why is it not equal? Is it the fact that, uh, uh, say, high schools in predominantly black neighborhoods are not as effective at teaching people and preparing them for? Uh, uh, for college as others. It, it, is it possible that, uh, like many, uh, um, I don't want to stereotype too much, but like many uh, societies that are segregating themselves, do they see things like education as valuable as others? For example, the Asian race, the Asian societies, they highly value education and, and children are, are driven to excel in education much more than any other races. Could it be the opposite is true as well? And the question then becomes is why? Is it those those those, those neighborhoods, those those societies, not the race, the neighborhood? And I make that distinction purposely, right? Because I know a lot of a lot of neighborhoods, again, 
doesn't matter what race you are. You can excel in, in education. But I've heard stories of other people that telling me that, you know what, in this neighborhood, education is not promoted. It's actually derided by a child's peers. Why is that? Right. So again, I, I think it deals with the wrong, it deals with the symptom. I don't think it deals with well. And it ultimately it comes down to me very simple. If you want to get rid of racism, the only way to do so is to stop being racist. So as soon as we start making decisions based on race, we're dealing with a racist society. Right? Those are racist decisions. Harvard and UNC, those are, those are racist institutions because in their mind and in their policy, the only way blacks could compete is if they got an advantage that was not given to other races. Now, of course, affirmative action has become a staple. It's been a crutch that has been used and abused and, um, let's say, in many ways, now become, become such a standard that uh, we now have people saying, listen, when the court turned around in this case and said, you cannot use race as a basis of admission. Now, as I understand it, again, I haven't read through the opinion. I'm dealing with a little bit of a summary of it. Um, the idea was, listen, if you, if a student comes and gives you this tremendous story about overcoming the difficulties of their race, that's one thing. But if you simply say, I'm going to give this person extra points towards a, a position in our college because of their race, that's different. And the, the other thing, which I didn't, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, was think of it this way. If the student that got into Harvard got in because of the color of their skin and not because of their, their qualifications and their readiness to do Harvard-level work, have you not set them up to fail? Which I think has been, been uh, pretty much shown in, in a lot of these, these scenarios. In other words, you look at the, the number of affirmative action college students that complete a four-year degree in four years. Um, a lot of issues. So the course said, listen, you want to listen to their story, that's fine, but you can't decide based on race. Now, one of the concerns I have right off the bat is you've got Harvard and UNC. Now, University of North Carolina is a publicly funded school. Harvard is not. But what you have is you have the federal government coming in and saying, listen, we give schools money. We provide student loans. Therefore, you have to dance to our tune because otherwise we're going to pull our money. Just another reason why these illegal programs out of the federal government, by giving money to schools, by, by student loans and other things, this is where they get in the middle of things and make a, a, a mess. But we have the court saying, uh, you know, okay, listen, you have to be, you can't make your decision based on race, although you can consider race as a, as part of their overall story, but not, you can't simply pick the black guy over the yellow guy or the white guy or the red guy or the brown guy. Now, this has been really interesting to see the reaction because the reaction to this has been much more vociferous than the free expression case. For example, uh, Harvard claims in, in their response to the ruling that uh, diversity is essential to academia. 
Now, okay, but my first question is, okay, but diversity of what? See, Harvard said in a statement, to prepare leaders for a complex world, Harvard must admit and educate a student body whose members reflect and have lived multiple facets of human experience. No part of what makes us who we are could ever be irre irrelevant. Harvard must always be a place of opportunity, a place whose doors remain open to those to whom they have long been closed, a place where they will have to the chance to live dreams their parents or grandparents could not have dreamed. So what Harvard is saying is that by allowing, not, by um, artificially adding students of a different race, then that will also bring students of a different lived experience, multiple facets of human experience. I have a, a, a friend, a guy I worked with for, for several years. Uh, he's a black man, lives in a good neighborhood, has smart children, uh, very lovely smart children. Um, I would say that his children's life experience it's not going to be that different from their white neighbors. So obviously just choosing based on color doesn't actually fulfill what Harvard is taking. But according to Harvard, the color of your skin obviously changes the facets of your human experience. And I'm not saying that's not true. I'm saying how much of it is, how big of an impact is it? If the idea that two people who grew up in the same neighborhood, played the same sports, went to the same schools, had similar experiences, but you're going to decide based on race that this one we want to see and this one you don't. Well, if you're artificially inflating one set of experiences, aren't you by definition deflating or not representing another set of experiences? Then again, if Harvard's a private university and they want to be racist, okay. UNC, on the other hand, is different being a public school. These are you know, again, it's run by the state of, of uh, North Carolina. That's a different story. But the the response to this affirmative action has been disturbing. Well, at least that's the way uh, Chief Justice John Roberts put it. He said, it has become a disturbing feature of some recent opinions to criticize the decisions which with, the, with which they disagree as going beyond the proper role of the judiciary. Uh, I I saw this in in a lot of you have uh, uh, yeah you have a lot of people um, say you know the the was it Biden's education secretary said that the affirmative action opinion well he said ruling this takes our country back uh, decades backwards I disagree to a certain extent because this, he's implying it, it takes us back to Jim Crow when I would say it's actually stopping the 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 modern Jim Crow. The, the one where the, the, now the blacks have the advantage and, and whites and Asians are disadvantaged. Um, you had, uh, was it, uh, I believe, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, said that you know, Thomas's opinion in this case was profoundly insulting. You mean a, a black man that said affirmative actions is a, is a raw deal, it's not constitutional? You find that insulting? Whoopi Goldberg on the View apparently went off the deep end, uh, asking, uh, "You know, wh why do you fear us? We don't fear you. We just don't want you to have an unfair advantage. Just because predecessors of my race had an unfair advantage 
doesn't mean you should have an unfair advantage over me. And the responses have been amazing. Boston University Law School has reportedly offered therapy to students in response to this decision. That should tell you all you need to know about the racist classes we're dealing with. The very idea that a student shouldn't get a benefit or a strike because of the color of their skin. Students need therapy. Is there any reason why I say people should be running from the hills when it, to, for public education? That, that, that these, these schools are, are not creating adults, they're creating they're civic infants, emotional infants. People apparently unwilling to or unable to cope with even a a diverse opinion. Another way of thought. In other words, the only diversity these schools seem to be interested in is the color of your skin, not what exists between your ears, not your thoughts, not your opinions, not your understandings, only the color of your skin. I've taken another break, but you know what? Every day I go to AmericaOutloud.com to see what's going on. I, I get news and information from them. But it's important that you not only join me at there for the information, but that we share these stories, these articles, these podcasts, these videos as far and as wide as we can. By doing so, we're not simply spreading the news. We're helping to secure the blessings of liberty. Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution study where we read and study the Constitution, teach a rising generation to be free. And today we're dealing with the Supreme Court silly season. And boy, there's a lot of silliness going out. Now, there's there's one case that uh, that I want to look at next that, uh, again, it's gotten a lot of kickback, a lot of pushback. And that actually has to deal with the, the, the student loan cancellation plan from the Biden administration. 
Now, in a 6-3 opinion, the, the court found that uh, the Biden didn't, administration did not have the authority to excuse debt repayment uh, from the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Student Acts of 2003, or the HEROES Act, or pretty much any other student loan act, that it was not the, the executive responsibility to do so. Not surprising, it didn't take long for the uh, Biden administration to come up with, with new strategies by which his administration would help student loan borrower, borrowers. Shouldn't be surprised. Right? They want to. They're trying to find a way to basically pay off college students, and, and or I should say, and recent graduates. It's the scenario. Now, what's interesting to me is not so much again, and I haven't even really looked in this case very deeply at all. All I know uh, is that uh, there was a six-three opinion that said Biden couldn't do this. I knew that he that it was illegal for him to do this. Now you have a court opinion to that as well. But what's interesting is the way people have reacted to this. Um, a Marianne Williamson, uh, she's challenging Biden for the Democratic nomination. Uh, she wasn't happy with the Supreme Court's decision. She said, the over they overturned Roe v. Wade. They ended affirmative action. Now they've rejected Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Today's SCOTUS works to proactively diminish the rights and opportunities of the people of the United States. I would highly disagree. Uh, the court appears to be following a much more constitutional track. In other words, they looked at Roe v. Wade and says, uh, yeah, you know what? We can't find the power to regulate abortion given to the federal government, so uh, no, you can't. They, they, they looked at affirmative action and said, you know what? We can't find a thing you know, that is kind of unequal protection of the law. This kind of violate the 14th Amendment when states do this, so uh, no, you can't do that. And then to look at it and say, Congress passed a law, the, the, the president doesn't just get to to rewrite the law because he doesn't like it. Now, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said, the unfortunate SCOTUS ruling strikes down, striking down President Biden's student loan forgiveness program was a predictable result of Biden's failure to bring Congress together on this issue of crucial importance to young Americans. So in other words, he's not happy because, well, Biden didn't do it the right, didn't, Biden didn't get Congress to, to um, to, to, to work with him to rip off the American people. Therefore, the courts had to stop it. And, you know, really, that's that's kind of a bad deal. Uh, Tim Scott, who's a, a, a running for the Republican nomination, said, Today, SCOTUS made the right decision on student loans. Biden wanted to make waitresses and mechanics pay the student loans of doctors and lawyers who make six figures. If you take out a loan, you pay it back. I find it interesting how he's focusing on the... the uh, class warfare, saying, you know, you're going to make waitresses and mechanics pay student loans of doctors and lawyers. That may be true, but it seems like he's focusing on that rather than the uh, the simple unfairness of, he did make that one statement. I take that back. He did say, if you take out a loan, you pay it back. That's the part with, uh, that Scott said that I can, I can actually agree with. Uh, Nikki Haley, another Republican candidate, says a president cannot just wave his hand and eliminate loans for students he favors while leaving out all those who worked hard to pay back their loans or made other career choices. I can deal with that. Uh, then uh, Vice, former Vice President Michael P Mike Pence said Joe Biden's massive trillion dollar student loan bailout subsidizes the uh, education of elites on the backs of hardworking Americans. Again, we're back to the uh, uh, to, to the class warfare name calling. Away we go. 
Now, not to be outdone, of course, you have the, the infamous squad, this, this group of, of Democratic um, activists currently holding positions, uh, representative positions in our Congress. Um, they didn't like the answers either. So you have Alexander Ocasio-Cortez um, and, and others saying that uh, Biden should continue to pursue debt forgiveness, despite the fact the court said, uh, no, you don't have the legal authority to do so. Now, I want to make one interesting point. According to the Constitution, the court cannot order the president not to do this. You go back to Marbury versus Madison, a writ of mandamus. They've already recognized that the Constitution doesn't give the court the authority to order the president not to do this. Besides, how, how is the court going to enforce it? All enforcement of court opinions is done by the U.S. Marshals, who actually work for the president. Now, now, AOC tweeted that it's very important to note that SCOTA's ruling does not remove Biden's ability to pursue student loan forgiveness. I don't know that I trust anything this lady says, so um, you know I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so sure. What I also find interesting is once again, what do we hear? We've seen calls to quote unquote pack the court. Let's find out they 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 didn't like the output of the court. Therefore, now they want to change the court. They want to pack the court to get the outcomes they want. And this has become a, a a common mantra, right? Every time the Marxists don't get their answer, well, we'll just, you know, we'll change the rules. You know, although that's, that's kind of their modus operandi, right? If we don't get the answer we want, we'll change the rules until we do. So much for liberty and justice for all. But it should not be a surprise. Now, what's interesting is there are other activists that are calling for... Um, a debt strike, that, that students are just going to stop paying their student debts in strike uh, as, as in opposition to this, this opinion. Now, to me, the arrogance of that statement, I, I'm reminded of you know, friends of my wife and mine you know, many years ago. Uh, one of them was complaining that uh, they'd taken out student loans and the, the government wasn't just going to forgive their loans. And I have to admit to being shocked by that response. I, I truly was shocked. I'm like, wait a second, you took out a loan and you're mad that someone else is not just going to pretend it didn't exist? And I shouldn't be surprised that we see activists saying, let's just write this all off. You signed a contract. You, you know, maybe that's the problem here. See, our word used to mean something. When I moved to Tennessee and I, I rented my, my land out for grazing to a young man, I remember he came here with his father, and I, I, I dealt with the young man, but his father was there because I'm assuming he wanted to watch what was going on and make sure his son didn't get taken advantage of. And we came to an agreement on the, the, the rent, how much it would be, and, and all of that. And then the father looked at me and said, are we going to sign a contract or will we do this on a handshake? I said, we'll do it on a handshake. You've given me your word that you're going to pay this rent. I'm giving you my word that I will make this land available to you. That should be sufficient and handshake sufficient. That's not true anymore. Here you even have students who have signed a contract and they're saying, no, we don't want to be held to, we don't actually want, we made a promise. We don't want to be held to our promise. What are you, crazy? You actually want us to fulfill a promise that we made? See what I mean about an infantile America? How dare you You hold me account to my promise? How dare you hold me to my promise? 
Now, there's one other case that popped up that it got my attention. I'm going to look at it deeper, but I haven't heard much about it. See, the court let stand a, a lower court order uh, in a lawsuit uh, involving a, a transgender woman, which is a dude pretending to be a woman. Uh, this one's uh, Keisha Williams, who claims that um, Virginia's male, the, the Virginia's men's jail violated federal law and discriminated against her based on her disability. See, this dude has been in the, the Fairfax County Jail for about six months, and she, he claims that the, the treatment violated the Americans with Disabilities Act and other laws due to delays in medical treatment for quote-unquote gender dysphoria and other inmates harassing him. Now, I'm sure he's probably now going to file a lawsuit because I keep referring to him as a him, not as a her, because he thinks he's a her, even though he's not. Now, initially, a lower court dismissed the lawsuit, but an appeals court said, nope, we should hear this. They sided with Williams. Now, apparently, uh, um, one of the, um, I guess, one of the, the prison officials who um, was named in the suit attempted to have this appeal to the Supreme Court, and the court said, the Supreme Court said, nah, nah, we're not going to hear this. Now, what's interesting is Justices Alito and Thomas dissented from the court's decision not to take the case. Uh, reading from uh, uh, the Alito dissent, he said, in short, the Fourth Circuit's ruling leaves a great many people and institutions under the looming threat of liability, forcing them to change their behavior, behavior that may be deeply rooted in moral or religious principles or face an unending stream of lawsuits. So it looks like a couple of the justices wanted to see more of this case. The, the rest of them did not. And again, I, I haven't delved into the, the details of the uh, of the case that they were looking at. Um, I think the American with Disabilities Act is is a unique look at things, and you know it. it I I've always had a kind of a love hate relationship with the ADA. Um, one, I it, I know it's not as effective as it could be. I, you know, on the one hand, you know, I look at it and say. There are a lot of people with certain disabilities that can do jobs that, you know, if the, if employers would so only open their eyes up a little bit more. The question is, does the federal government have the authority, the legal authority, to tell companies they must do that? But then I look at this and saying, is, is gender dysphoria a disability? Um, you know, and if we're talking treatments that are specific to gender dysphoria, what treatments are needed specific to gender dysphoria? Has this person been through some sort of, of a surgical intervention, uh, medical intervention that needs some sort of maintenance? I don't know the details, but I just, it caught my attention and I thought it was worth, uh, I thought it was worth mentioning here. So those are kind of my, my silly season picks for the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, as I said, I've got to, I'm going to spend more time on, on each of these cases, except maybe this last one, Kincaid versus uh, Williams. Um, maybe not, uh, you know, it depends on, on what other things pop up uh, over the next uh, several weeks. But I want to spend some time, I've already been working on the, the freedom of expression case out of Colorado. Uh, so that should be fairly quick. And of course, the affirmative action case, I definitely want to spend some time into to digest, to understand, to kind of breeze through the 
the sea of noise and find out what the 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 uh, the opinion actually says. You know, when I had my boot camp this this past weekend, one of the things that I pointed out was, um, you know, you need if you're going to build an argument, you need a good solid foundation, and one of the best things you can do is go back to the original documents. I, I'm it, you know, it's not that I hold no weight to what all you know. Biden and Pence and RFK Jr. and whatnot say, but those are opinions about what's going on. I want to go back to the, I want to put it bluntly, I want to go to the horse's mouth, not the other end, and find out what these, these opinions actually say so that what I communicate to you to the best of my ability is as accurate as possible. So that hopefully you give me some benefit of trust, some benefit of doubt to say, you know, Paul probably got it right, although I do want to go double-check him because I always want you to double-check what I'm doing. It's why I put the links in all of my articles. But uh, those are going to be coming out, and you'll, you'll, I'll talk more about them over the coming weeks as I've had a chance to digest the, the actual cases and move forward. Uh, speaking of the boot camp, before I go, you know, we had a great time at the boot camp here in Shelbyville. Um, it was fairly lightly attended. I, I'd hoped for more people to show up, but it was a really engaged group. We had a lot of, I had a lot of fun. Um, I had people with some really good questions. I had one couple that um, I'm actually going to try and get on the radio program because I think they have an interesting story you might find not just interesting, but useful. But uh, the couple things that came out of that, again, I've got the video. I'm editing the video. It'll be available. Probably give me two, maybe three weeks to get through all the editing of it and, and getting it looking nice and, and ready for consumption. And then it'll be on the website, constitutionstudy.com. But I've had requests already to do more of these. Uh, I have Someone's already wants me to do another one here in Bedford County. Um, there's a possibility I might do one down in Alabama. Uh, if you are interested, if you would like to do a, uh, do a boot camp, and again, we can do it in person or via Zoom. Now, in-person has a great advantage in that there's a lot of personal interaction we can have. The disadvantage it involves travel time and travel expense. we got to get those things covered. Now, Zoom is nice. It's not the same as face-to-face, -face, but you know what? It's cheap because I've already got a Zoom account. It doesn't cost us anything to set this up. But if you're interested, contact me through the, uh, the website, constitutionstudy.com. If you click on the events menu, you'll see a request a speaker button. And you can give me the contact information I need. And uh, you'll find under topics the Constitution Study Mini Boot Camp. Uh, I'd be interested. If you're, if you're interested, let me know. We'll see what we can do. Now, I'd also love to hear your comments about this, this SCOTUS Silly Season episode. Is, is this the type of stuff that you like to hear? Do you want me to go into more depth on, on some of these cases. Maybe there's a case that I didn't cover. You'd think it would be interesting. Please let me know when this show goes to podcast, which it does generally a day or two after it's heard on the radio, you can leave me a comment there and 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 I find I hear them. I read each and every one of them. I don't always respond, but I try but I do read each and every one of them. And uh that feedback's important because if I'm not giving you the information that you want or that you need, well then we're, what we're what are we doing here? So yeah, please uh, you know, when this radio broadcast a couple days later, head to the website, AmericaOutloud.com, look for the Constitution Study Show. And if you want more of this, or if there's a case that you want me to look at in depth, please let me know. 
uh, stick it in there. Or you could also, by the way, go to constitutionstudy.com, click ask a question, and simply ask me to cover uh, another topic or give me some feedback. It helps me make the show better for you. I can't accommodate everybody, but I do my best to accommodate as many people as possible. Again, speaking of the show, you know, you can join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio network. As I mentioned, all these programs go to podcasts. And it's really interesting because, you know, the podcast, um, which you can listen on your favorite podcast app, but most people don't realize how important it is to subscribe. It's the subscription that the services all use to determine, you know, rating and and where we sit and all that. And that also has to deal with search histories, right? If someone's searching for something constitutional, they're more likely to find the Constitution study if we are higher in the ratings. And of course, leaving ratings and review help other people decide whether or not they're going to listen to the Constitution study. And I hope they would all join us. You can find all the links you need at the website at AmericaOutloud.com. But as I keep saying, please share this information because it helps to share the blessings of liberty. 